بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله we thank and praise Allah عز وجل as we've reached the last of our lessons of the tafsir of the short surahs of the Quran course walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen last week we of course discussed uh, suratul falaq and before that the mu'awwidhat the surahs the virtues of those surahs and of course before that suratul ikhlas walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen today we are on our last uh, surah which of course is suratul nas suratun nas which translates to the mankind or the humankind or as we'll see later possibly even uh, humankind and gene kind um, regarding the virtues of this chapter yani suratul nas then we've discussed its virtues previously as well as the sababun nuzul sababun nuzul means as well as the reason for its revelation yani what happened when the surah was revealed was there a reason uh, what was the background story to the revelation of the surah we discussed that with suratul falaq as they were revealed together and a lot of the virtues we spoke about the, again, the virtues were regarding Al-Falaq and Al-Nas together and at times Al-Ikhlas as well. So we spoke about that in a separate lesson. So there's obviously no reason to get into any of the virtues of the Surah that we've, we've covered in the previous lessons. Alhamdulillah. So we go straight into the tafsir of the Surah wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ Allah starts the Surah in a similar way that He started the previous Surah by starting it off by saying قُلْ أَعُوذُ قُلْ أَعُوذُ قُلْ By now we should know what this word means. It's an instruction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a command from Allah. By Him saying قُلْ it means say. He is instructing uh, us to say. So firstly whenever we see this word in the Quran قُلْ أَعُوذُ قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ We should know it means say, O Muhammad, say, O Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It's a direct address to who? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to say to the people, to say to his ummah. Okay, so firstly it's an address to him and secondly it's also an address to the rest of us, to the rest of the ummah who follows him. Right? قُلْ أَعُوذُ we spoke about this word last week as well in Suratul Falaq. A'udhu, what does it mean? It means I seek refuge. I seek protection. I seek safety. Or I turn to Allah in this case, seeking protection. I turn to Him. I put my trust in Him. My reliance in Him. Seeking what? A'udhu. Talabul A'udhu. Seeking this, this safe haven. The safety. Right? That's what A'udhu means. So yeah, Allah is instructing us and the Prophet sallallahu say, I seek refuge in whom? I seek protection in whom? Rabbin Nas. In, be, in the Lord of Nas. Usually the word Nas, as we, is well known, translates to mankind or humankind. Rabbin Nas, the Lord of mankind, the Lord of humankind, right? And <clears throat> it's well known that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Al-Alameen, we explained way back in Surah Al-Fatiha in the beginning of this course, that Al-Alameen means all that is in existence. Al-Alameen, 
means every single thing in existence besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have Allah who obviously exists, he's alive. Everything besides Allah is known as Al-Alameen. So Allah is the Lord of every single thing in existence. Be it the jinn kind, humankind, the angels, this world, the, whatever it contains, whatever is in the heavens, whatever is between this world and the heavens, Allah is the Lord of everything. But here Allah specifically mentions He is the Lord of mankind. He is the Lord of Anas. Let's use the word Anas. He is the Lord of Anas. Because mankind and, you know, as insan and Anas, we have a special sta- station. We have a special honor, nobility that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with. In the way that He created us, in the way that He designed us and fashioned us in the best forms. In the best of forms. So Allah has given us special status over many, if not all of creation. Subhanallah. So this is Anas, this is why he mentions Anas specifically. Some scholars said this, some scholars said he mentions Anas specifically because it's addressing us. This ayat is addressing insan, Anas, as well as the jinn. It's an address to those believers who are reciting the Quran to say this. That, and, and to remind them that he is the Rabb. That he is the Rabb. <clears throat> and so some ulama mentioned that this word Nas can also include the jinn. It's not just humankind and mankind. It also includes the, the jinn kind. This was stated by Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, the famous Sahabi. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, the companion, he said that at times Nas refers to both humans as well as the jinn. And this was stated by Ibn Jarid al-Tabari, the famous scholar of Tafsir, and others as well. Okay? Um, and they have the evidences for this. And it's well known in the Arabic language that at times the usage of the word Nas can include the jinn as well. And we're going to get back to this point at the end of the surah as well. So here Allah is speaking to those who are supposed to be reciting the Quran. Humans as well as the jinn. They are also those who recite the Quran. They are also those who must seek refuge. Just like we do, they also have to seek protection. Who must they seek protection in? Rabbin Nas, the Lord of An-Nas. Directly addressing us, those who recite the book, humans as well as the jinn. Rabbin Nas, the word Ar-Rabb is also Allah's name. Ar-Rabb is also one of Allah's names. Ar-Rabb. Ar-Rabb means the owner of lordship. The owner of, the possessor of Rububiyyah. Ar-Rabb is the one who owns Rububiyyah. He's the owner of Lordship over all of his creation. He's the owner of Lordship over all of his creation in terms of his creating them. And the Rabb is the creator. If we say if we say someone has Lordship, like Allah has Lordship, that has to include a number of things. One doesn't just become the Lord of everything. Rather that includes creation. Yani this is what makes him the Rabb. What makes him the Rabb? The fact that he created everything. The fact that he created us makes him our Rabb. The fact that we belong to him. That he is Al-Malik. Or Al-Malik, the owner of everything. All dominion belongs to him. And likewise, ownership belongs to him. And he also controls the affairs. This is the character or the characteristics or the description of Ar-Rabb, the one who owns Rububiyyah, lordship over everything, 
because he creates them, he owns them, and he is in charge of them by controlling all of their affairs. This is the characteristic of who? Of the Rabb. And this belongs to none but obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It includes the one who rectifies the affairs, the one who rectifies our affairs, who nurtures us, who guides us, and the master who is obeyed. This is again from the Arabic language point of view. The, a master who is obeyed is referred to as Rabb. A person who rectifies a face is referred to as Rabb. And also an owner of something is called Rabb. For example, Rabbul Bayt is known in the Arabic language. If you come to somebody's house, we say he is the Rabbul Bayt. He is the Lord of that house. He is the master of that house. And so forth. When it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is understood in an unrestricted way. He's the Lord of everything, the owner of everything, the possessor of everything, the master of everything. And he rectifies, he can rectify the affair of, of, of every single thing. So this is the word Ar-Rabb, it's an it's a, it's a all-encompassing name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of, his more, one of his most powerful names that has a very broad meaning. In fact, the scholars say Ar-Rabb encompasses all of the names of Allah. Every name goes back to this name Ar-Rabb, just like the name Allah and so forth. But this gives us a general understanding. He is the owner of lordship in the fact that he is the creator of everything, the owner of everything, the nurturer of everything, and the one who controls the affairs of everything. This is the one who we turn to when we seek refuge. Our Lord, our Rabb, our creator, our provider, our sustainer, our Muslih, our, the one who rectifies our affairs, our, uh, our owner, and the one who, is in, who manages our affairs, who completely controls our affairs. This is the first, this is the first characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and name of Allah that He instructs us to turn towards seeking protection. The Rabb of An-Nas. And then Allah says, Malikin Nas. Malikin Nas. <coughs> Another one of His names and attributes. Malik, the master of humankind or the king of humankind. Of An-Nas rather. Let's use the word An-Nas as we said. Sometimes it includes the jinn. Malikin Nas. He is the Lord. Or in Saudi he is the king. Or the master of An-Nas. Yani the king. The one who has authority over everything. In his kingdom. Right. And he has authority and control over everything in his kingdom. He doesn't answer to anybody in his kingdom. That's generally the way of the king. The king has the final say. But Allah Azza wa Jal, He is the king of all Nas. There is no king above Him. We may have our kings in this world and they have their limitations. They have their weaknesses. Whereas Allah Azza wa Jal is the perfect king. His kingdom is every single thing in, 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 in existence. His dominion is every single thing in, the, in this world. Lahu ma fi samawati wa ma fil Everything in this world and everything in the heavens belongs to him. That's his kingdom. Everything between this world and the heavens is part of his kingdom. So his kingdom is not like the kingdom of, an, of, a, of a king in this world. No matter how powerful. His army is not like their armies. His army can never be defeated. Nobody knows his army except him. The realities of his army except him. He can make anything become part of his army. <clears throat> his treasures are endless and his control and his ruling or his rulership is unrivaled. 
يعني there's there's no threat to his his kingdom there's no threat to his his status and so forth there's so many you know comparisons we can make to the perfect king to compare to the the, the kings of this world so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us that he is the king you have your leaders you have your presidents you have your prime ministers you have your kings and your princes and so forth in this world however we don't seek refuge in them because they have the limitations they are ultimately weak they are also slaves of Allah they will come and they will go whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is eternal he will be there forever and he is the true king he is the ultimate king he is the king of all kings Malikul Muluk the king of all kings and there's a hadith that mentions that on the day of Qiyamah when all of you know everybody has been everybody tastes death and even Malakul Maut will taste death Jibreel will taste death everything will be completely gone and only Allah will remain so this will happen before the resurrection happens again so once this happens Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will call out he will speak and he will say Ana al-Malik Aina mulukul ard I am the king Today I am the true king Now we see Oh people Oh mankind Oh jinn Oh ins Oh everybody Now you see Ana al-Malik al-Yawm I am the king today Aina mulukul ard Where are the kings of the earth? Where are they? Those people who were haughty Those people who had pride Those people who thought they were powerful Where are they? There's nobody in existence. There's nobody that has life within them except Allah Azza wa Jal who has perfect life and eternal life. So he is the true king. And it's to him that we turn to for refuge and protection. Malikin Nas. And this is also one of his names, Al-Malik. Al-Malik is one of his names as well. Ilahin Nas. Then Allah says, Ilahin Nas. He is the God of An-Nas. <coughs> he is the only true God of An-Nas. This name or this word Al-Ilah is also one of Allah's beautiful names. Al-Ilah. Al-Ilah is a name of Allah. Just like Ar-Rabb, Al-Malik and Al-Ilah. These are three names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. So he is Al-Ilah. Yani Ilahin Nas. Meaning Al-Ilah means the one who is worshipped. Al-Ilah means the one who is worshipped. It's a very similar to the name Allah. So Al-Ilah means the one who is worshipped. Yani the one who is truly deserved of worship. The one whom all of creation, they, they, they turn to him. They attach their hearts to him by glorifying him and worshipping him. The one who is truly deserved of this. This is whom Al-Ilah is. Right? So here again Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he reminds An-Nas. Whether it's the humans and the jinns or just the humans, he reminds An-Nas. That even though there are other gods, that are being worshipped, whether it's the idols, the trees, the stones, the sun, the moon, or people, whether it's prophets or angels or jinns that are being worshipped, there are, there are gods out there that people have. So even though there are all these gods out there, there's only one true God. There's only one true ilah. There's only one real ilah that is deserved of worship, that is deserved of glorification, and complete love of ubudiyah, love of worship, and that is this. This is who he is. This is Allah. Those other gods out there, they are all false. 
They are all weak. They are not deserved of worship because they don't have the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because He is a Rabb. He is Al Malik. He is Al Samad. He is Rabbil Falaq. And He's got so many other beautiful names and attributes. So Allah reminds us there are all of these different ilahs out there, but the only one that's truly worthy of worship is Him. He's the only true ilah. So turn to Him for your protection. Don't turn to anything else. Turn to Him for your protection. We spoke about the importance of seeking protection in Allah last week. And not turning to anything else. And how turning to anything else will only lead you further astray. Like the case of the jinn, which we gave the examples and the, the ayat and so forth. <clears throat> so we should turn to Him for protection and safety. Not to our kings. Not to leaders. Not to any masters out there, not to any powerful people out there. And definitely not to any false gods out there. No matter what it is that's being worshipped, it's not worthy of worship. Only Allah is worthy of worship. This is what our kalima of La ilaha illallah means. There is none worthy of worship except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn Kathir rahimahullah after these three ayat he says, These are three attributes from the attributes of the Rabb of the Lord. Jalla Jalaluhu. They are Lordship, Sovereignty and Divinity. They come from Al-Rabb, Al-Malik and Al-Ilah. Lordship, He's the Rabb, He's the Lord. Sovereignty, He's the King and the Master. And Divinity. Yani he's the only one worthy of this divine worship. He's Al-Ilah. Thus, He's the Lord of everything. The King of everything and the God of everything. All things are created by Him owned by him and subservient to him. This is who Allah is. So Allah is starting off the surah by saying, seek refuge in who? Seek your protection in who? In this, in him. The one who is the creator of everything. The owner of everything and that everything is subservient unto him. The only God, the only king, the only Lord of, of An-Nas. Therefore he commands whoever is seeking protection to seek refuge with the one who has these attributes. Who do we turn to for protection? The one who has these attributes. If some, if you have something that is the Lord of everything, the Lord of all of mankind, the Lord of all of jinn, He is the King of all of jinn and all of mankind. He is the only one worthy of worship. He is the only God of all of these things. And we said, what does the what does the the Lord mean? The Creator, the Owner, the one who controls all of affairs. If you have something or, or somebody with these complete attributes then he's worthy of your worship. Then he's worthy of you seeking protection in. And in reality, none, nobody has his attributes except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah commands us to seek refuge in this one who has these attributes, to seek refuge in him from, so again we instructed to seek refuge in Allah, but from whom? From what? Last week we spoke about Al-Falaq, which gave us different examples of what we seek refuge in. Or should I say what we are seeking refuge from? Now again, what are we seeking refuge from? We are seeking refuge from the evil of the whisperer who withdraws. Min sharril waswasil khannas. Min sharril waswasil khannas. We are seeking refuge in Allah with those beautiful names and attributes of His from the evil of the lurking whisperer or the whisperer who withdraws. There are difference again, once again in the translations. Right? Min sharril waswasil from the evil of the lurking whisperer. 
the lurking whisperer. Tayyip, Ibn Kathir explains to us and he says, this, yani the whisperer, is what is the devil? It's the shaitan. That is assigned to a man. Each person has a devil, a shaitan, who is assigned to him. A jinn that is assigned to him. Also known as the qareen. Each person has a qareen with him. And so Ibn Kathir says, For verily there is not any of the children of Adam except that he has a companion, a qareen that is with him, that beautifies wicked or evil deeds for him. This devil will go to any lengths to confuse and confound him. The only person who is safe is he whom Allah protects. Every person has this qadeen, this companion jinn that is with him. And this is the one who whispers to you. He gives you these suggestions of bad, not good suggestions. Obviously, it's there to stir you towards evil and to direct you towards bad. This is how Allah created it as a test because this world is a test. Right? So every person has this. The only way we can be protected by him is the one, is if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us the protection. Tayyip. So it comes in hadith in Sahih, in the Sahih meaning in Bukhari that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ma minkum min ahadin illa wa qad illa qad wukila bihi qareenuhu. There is not a single one of you except that his companion, his qareen, has been assigned to him. His qareen, his companion, jinn or devil or shaitan has been assigned to him. So the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, even you. And so he said, Naam, yes. إِلَّا أَنَّ اللَّهَ أَعَانَنِي عَلَيْهِ فَأَسْلَمَ فَلَا يَأْمُرُنِي إِلَّا بِخَيْرٍ Yes, even me. I also have this jinn that's with me. Except that Allah has assisted me against him, over him. فَأَسْلَمَ And so he accepted Islam. He became a Muslim. So he does not instruct me except with, with khair, with goodness. So this is the difference. And this is only for who? For Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This didn't happen to anybody else besides him. So he had no jinn that was suggesting, suggesting evil towards him or sin towards him or giving him the waswasa to, you know, look at haram, steal haram, speak haram, say this about somebody, think this about somebody. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had that jinn with him, but he became Muslim. Allah helped him over the jinn such that the jinn became Muslim. This is from the things that are specific to the Prophet this didn't happen to anybody else. So can we make dua that our jinn becomes Muslim? In reality, uh, we can ask Allah for anything, but this is not something that will that that will that can happen because this was specific to, to him only. We should ask Allah to help us to overcome our jinn, meaning that whenever he suggests something of evil, that we don't fall to it. That we don't give in to it. That we are strong enough to overcome it. That's what we can ask Allah for. And like this surah teaches us, that we seek refuge in Allah against this lurking whisperer. From that evil whisperer. It also comes in the two sahihs, in Bukhari and Muslim, from Anas, who reported the story of Safiyyah, radiyallahu anha, when she came to visit the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam while he was performing i'tikaf. And they went out together during the night as he walked back to her house. And so two men from the Ansar met him along the way. And when they saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they began walking swiftly. And they were following him. And so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Ala rislikuma. 
يعني take it, take it easy take it easy to the two of them إنها صفية بنت حيي this is صفية بنت حيي يعني they saw him walking with a woman and so they started walking after him but what was their intention? Their intention was, look, it's the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Let, let us maybe follow him and perhaps we can sit with him, we'll spend time with him and benefit from him. But as they were walking, he said to them, Ala rislikuma, take it easy, relax, slow down, you know. This is only Sophia that's with me, meaning it's my wife. It's my wife, it's Sophia. Right? So he said this for what? For what reason? So that just in case they were thinking, that's the Prophet sallallahu walking with a woman. Who is this woman? And so they said, Subhanallah, O oh Rasulullah. Meaning, يعني, we would never suspect you. Subhanallah, don't, you don't have to tell us that your wife, we would never suspect you of, 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 you know, of anything along those lines. And then the Prophet sallallahu clarified and he said, Inna shaytana yajri min ibn Adama majraddam. Indeed, the shaytan, he flows. <clears throat> in the son of Adam, like the running or the flowing of blood. Like the flowing of blood, just like blood flows through our body, the shaitan flows through our body as well. And verily, I fear that he might cast something into your hearts. Or, he said evil. Yani, he may cast something evil into your hearts. Some doubts. Some assumptions that, you know what, that's... And this is what the shaitan does. This is what the qadeen does to all of us. You see something and immediately he, he puts suspicion into your hearts. Maybe that person said this or he's thinking that or he did this. I saw him come out of there. He must have done that. He must be guilty of this. Assumptions. So much assumptions. It's endless. It happens all the time. And this is why we are instructed to avoid assumption. For most of assumption is sin. Quran says so. The Quran teaches us this. So we're supposed to have good thoughts of one another. Make excuses for your brother or your sister. Make an excuse. You saw him come out of a, out of a, a, a brothel or a club. Or we could easily say, look what he's doing. We, but we can make an excuse for him and say, perhaps he went there to take somebody out. To tell somebody to get out. For example. Just a, a random example. And there's so many other examples of, of this. Right? The point is, the Prophet ﷺ tried to make sure there was no... No, he closed the door. That's another benefit from this hadith is he closed the door to any uh, potential assumption because he knows the way of the shaitan. And this was why he said to them, this is Sophia. This is Sophia, it's my wife. Meaning, closing the door to that shaitan. The shaitan would have, he knew the shaitan would have used that opportunity to create doubt, to create assumption. So what did he do? He closed the door. He made it clear, look, this is what he is. No doubts, no, no need to, you know. Not that they were going to doubt him either, but he's teaching us and the whole ummah a lesson. If you can close the door to doubt, close the door to doubt. Also, be on guard. Because the shaitan is always there, he will throw something evil into your heart, some evil thoughts, some evil assumptions, and so forth. There's so many benefits that we can derive from this hadith, but those are two that stand out. Yani, if you can close the door to people doubting you, do that. At the same time, don't be someone who jumps to conclusions and doubt others as well. And also, always know the shaitan is there. He flows through the body like the blood through, flows through the body and he can easily come with a suggestion. A quick suggestion of doubting this one, doubting your spouse, accusing your spouse, um, 
thinking that this is what they are up to, what they, you know, all types of suspicion. And not just suspicion, it can, it can go, yani the, the, the whispers of the shaitan is endless towards all types of haram, towards all types of evil and bad and so forth. So we should always be on guard for this point that he is lurking. Shaitan is lurking, he's waiting for an opportunity to put something in your mind, to put something in your heart, to whisper, to, some, to, to suggest some type of evil. And Allah tells us this in the Quran as well about the Qareen, yani, that the Qareen, قَالَ قَرِينُهُ رَبَّنَا مَا أَطْغَيْتُهُ وَلَكِنْ كَانَ فِي ضَلَالٍ بَعِيدٍ The Qareen, the companion will say, Our Lord, I did not push him to transgression. مَا أَطْغَيْتُهُ yani, Towards disbelief, oppression or sins. I didn't do that. But he was himself in, in, in ضَلَالٍ بَعِيدٍ Far, far astray. And then Allah will say, Don't dispute in front of me. I had already in advance sent you the threat. The warnings were sent. Threats were sent by the prophets and so forth. And through the Quran. Then Allah said, The sentence that comes from me cannot be changed. Uh, and I am not unjust to the slaves. The point here though is what? The Qareen will speak. His, every person's Qareen will come and say, Ya Allah, I didn't send them astray. I didn't do it. They were already astray. You understand? Um, so Allah mentions the Qareen in, in Surah, Surah, Surah Qaf and in other places uh, as well. right? But the Qareen here is clearly mentioned. The Qareen is clearly mentioned. And in reality, the Qareen is there. He, he gives the suggestions. He whispers and so forth. But we also give in to him. And this is why we are also to blame. He's not completely to blame. He's obviously a devil. However, we are also to blame. Because come Qiyamah, Shaitan is also going to say, I had no authority over you. I only suggested and you obeyed. Right? Sa'id ibn Jubayr reported that Ibn Abbas said regarding Allah's statement, الخناس, The whisperer who withdraws or lurks is who he said it is the devil who is squatting or perched upon the heart of the son of adam and he's lurking he's sitting he's waiting so when he becomes absent-minded when the muslim the person the son of adam becomes heedless absent-minded and heedless he whispers this is what so al-waswas is who is the shaitan Al-waswas is the shaitan. Al-khannas is the description of the shaitan. Khannas we will discuss. Yani it's either lurking or the... or withdraws. So the point here is when the son of Adam becomes absent-minded or heedless, that's when the whisperer comes. That's what he's waiting for. He's lurking. He's sitting there perched on his heart waiting. As soon as he sees, right, he's not paying attention, he's not making dhikr, He's not focused. He wants to just relax, be absent-minded, not think about anything. Shaitan takes his opportunity. And now he whispers. But when the son of Adam remembers of Allah, he withdraws. Al-Khanasa, <coughs> he withdraws. Right? He, 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 he withholds, and he goes back. He withdraws. So as soon as the son of Adam... Uh, Becomes heedless, that waswasa comes through, the suggestions come through. But once he becomes focused and he remembers of Allah and he makes dhikr and so forth, 
the, the shaitan withholds. He draws back and he takes a back seat. Right? So lurking or withdraws, both have, are actually good translations. Because in reality, al-khannas, meaning yeah, he's, he's lurking and he's waiting. He's waiting for an opportunity to, to give you the suggestion and the whisper and the idea and so forth. At the same time, the moment you make dhikr and you come back to Allah, he withdraws. So both translations are good. He lurks and, and he, as well at times he has to withdraw. The waswas is the shaitan. Al-Mu'tamir ibn Sulaiman reported that his father said it has been mentioned to me that shaitan is al-waswas. Al-waswas is the shaitan. He blows into the heart of the son of Adam when he is sad and when he is happy. Whether happy or sad, the shaitan is there. But when he remembers Allah, he withdraws. The withdrawing shaitan. Al-waswas al-khannas is the shaitan who withdraws. Yani, when you remember Allah, he withdraws. Or he's the lurking shaitan, meaning he's waiting for an opportunity to whisper, to give the suggestion and so forth. Al-Awfi reported Ibn Abbas said, Al-waswas is the shaitan. He whispers and then when he's obeyed, he withdraws. When he's with, when he is obeyed, he, was, he withdraws. A different, slightly different interpretation, meaning the shaitan whispers. Once he's obeyed, he, he then takes a back seat. Yani, you are now really following his path, so he's, he's done his job. He's done his job. Understand? He's put you on the path, he gave you the idea and so forth. Now you are on your way and you are busy with the sins and so forth. Now he can withdraw. Khannas, he now withdraws, right? Or it means once the person remembers Allah, now he's forced to withdraw because he now has no, his whispers are not working, so he has to withdraw, right? Two uh, different interpretations there. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Alladhi yuwaswisu fi sudurin nas. The one who whispers into the hearts of an nas. He whispers into the hearts of an nas. So this further describes the, the whisperer. The lurking, withdrawing whisperer. Okay? He whispers into the hearts of Anas. This is where the whisper comes. Into the heart of Anas. <clears throat> and as we said, Anas could both could mean both insan, humans, as well as jinn. Hence, both could be receiving waswasa. Both receive waswasa. Humans receive waswasa as well as the jinn, according to this interpretation. Right? And then Allah says in the last ayah, Minal jinnati wan nas. Minal jinnati wan nas from among jinn and humankind. Tayyib. Now there are two opinions on what does this ayah mean. What is Allah speaking about in this verse? Who is this verse referring to? Minal jinnati wan nas. From among mankind and from among the jinn and humankind. Minal jinnati wan nas. From among the jinn kind and humankind. Yani what about them? Okay. Two interpretations we'll look at. Number one is that this ayah explains the previous ayah يعني It's an explanation of the word الناس. So the shaitan we said he is الوسواس. من شر الوسواس الخناس. We are seeking refuge in Allah against who? The evil of the shaitan who whispers. Or the Evil of the shaitan who lurks or withdraws. Okay? The one who whispers into the, the hearts of Anas from amongst the jinn and humankind. And so this ayah explains what Anas means. Yani, the shaitan he whispers into the chest or into the hearts of whom? Anas. Who is Anas? Min al-jinnati wa Anas is 
the jinn as well as humankind. So that is, that is one opinion. Okay? That's one opinion. It has also been said that Allah saying mir jinnati wan nas is an explanation of who it is that whispers into the hearts of mankind from the devils of mankind and jinns. And this is similar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's statement, وَكَذَارِكَ جَعَلْنَا لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍّ عَدُوًا شَيَاطِينَ الْإِنسِ وَالْجِنِّ يُوحِي بَعْضُهُمْ إِلَىٰ بَعْضٍ زُخْرُفَ الْقَوْلِ غُرُورًا And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this ayah, Surah Al-An'am, we have appointed for every prophet enemies. Every prophet has been appointed enemies. Shayateen. These enemies, they are shayateen. They are devils. Al-insi wal-jinn. These shayateen are both from ins and jinn. Mankind and jinn. So every prophet has enemies. They are devils. But these devils are both from mankind and jinn kind. Okay, remember this point. Yuhi ba'dum ila ba'din zukhruf al-qawli ghurura. Right? They inspire one another with adorned speech as a delusion. They inspire each other, these shayateen of mankind and jinkind. Inspire one another with beautiful speech as a deception or as a, de- as a delusion. Okay, so what does this ayah prove to us? That they are shayateen on insi wal jin. That's the main point. This ayah here proves to us that they are devils from mankind as well as jinkind. So shaytans are not just jinn. They are also found amongst mankind. Okay, that's what this ayah is telling us. Tayyib. So two opinions then. <clears throat> the, the, this verse, Minal Jinnati Wan Nas, refers to, number one we said was, those receiving the waswasa from the shayateen. So the shaytan who withdraws, and he's waiting to whisper, he whispers into the hearts of An-Nas, Minal Jinnati Wan Nas. Who are these Nas? That are receiving the waswasa into their hearts, they are both jinnati wan nas among the jinn, and they are from the humankind. And this view seems to be favored by Ibn Jarir al Tabari, the great Imam of Tafsir. The second view is that this ayah explains the ones who are giving the waswasa. Yani the shaytan, al waswas al khannas, the lurking whisperer can be minal jinnati nas from amongst the jinn and from amongst mankind. Okay? So there's a difference here. So there are those who are giving the waswasa. They are both from mankind and jinn kind. Or they are the ones who are receiving the waswasa. They are both from jinn kind and mankind. And the shaitan is whispering to both of them. These are the two opinions. Okay? The second view seems to be the strongest view. It's favored by Ibn al-Qayyim, al-Hasan, al-Qatada and many others. Imams of Tafsir, as well as Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen, rahimahullah, in his Tafsir of the Surah. So Al-Hasan, he said, both are devils, mankind and jinnkind. The devil from among the jinn whispers into the hearts of people, and the devil from among mankind comes openly. That's the difference. The jinn is subtle. You don't see him. You don't hear him. But the waswasa is there. It's in your heart. It's in your heart. It comes hidden. We don't see them. We don't hear them, but it's there. Whereas the jinn, sorry, the shaitan from mankind, he comes to you openly. He talks to you openly. You hear him, you see him. Everything, you can touch him, you can smell him. But can you see through him? That's the thing. Can you see through his message? Can you see through his deception, his misguidance, his suggestions of evil, and so forth? But they are both shayateen. 
Qatada said among the jinn are devils and among mankind are devils. So seek refuge with Allah from the devils of mankind and the jinn. Seek refuge in Allah from both. Ibn al-Qayyim said the correct view concerning the meaning of this verse is that the words of jinn and men refer to the waswas or whisperer, not to annas, meaning the ones who are giving the waswasa, not the one who is receiving the waswasa. This is what this ayah is referring to, and that seems to be the stronger view, and Allah knows best. So, which means we are seeking refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is the Lord of annas. He is the king or the master of Annas and he is the true God of Annas. What are we seeking refuge in him from? We are seeking refuge in him from the evil of the shaitan who lurks and withdraws. Who whispers into the breast of Annas. And he, he that shaitan is from amongst the jinn as well as humankind. So we are seeking protection in Allah from this. The jinn and humankind, those, those type of shaitans. Those type of shaitans who come with evil ideas and whispers and suggestions and teachings and so forth. This is what we are seeking refuge in Allah from. Okay, to clarify more about the shaitan of ins. What is a shaitan of humankind? Allah tells us in the Quran Surah Ma'idah, إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ الشَّيْطَانُ أَنْ يُوْقِعَ بَيْنَكُمُ الْعَدَاوَةَ وَالْبَغْضَاءَ فِي الْخَمْرِ وَالْمَيْسِرِ وَيَصُدَّكُمْ عَنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَعَنِ الصَّلَاةِ هَلْ أَنْتُمْ مُنْتَهُونَ In one verse Allah tells us, He's basically telling us about shaitan, in a general way about a shaitan. Shaitan's plan is to stir up hostility and hatred between you. What does he use? At times intoxicants and gambling. We can understand how that works, we can see People who gamble, what they end up in, how they end up fighting with each other, killing each other. The same with intoxicants. It's the mother of all evil. And there's no doubt about this. Um, his plot is also to prevent you from remembering Allah and from salah, from salah, from praying. Will you not then abstain? Abstain, يعني, stay from the shaitan and so forth. In another verse, Allah said in Surah An-Nur, وَمَن يَتَّبِعْ خُطُوَاتِ الشَّيْطَانِ فَإِنَّهُ يَأْمُرُ بِالْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ Whoever follows shaitan's footsteps, then let him know that he surely he bids all to immorality and wickedness. This is what the shaitan does. He instructs you with what? Immorality, fahsha and munkar, and evil. All bad. That's the job of the shaitan. So Ibn Uthaymin uses these two verses and he says, any person... Who does the same thing? Yani he stirs up hostility, hostility and hatred among you. It could be using khamar, it could be using intoxicants, it could be using gambling, it could be using anything in any way. Tricks and, 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 and lies and, 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 and stories and whatever he's doing. But he's there to create hostility and hatred amongst you. He's doing the job of the shaitan. And he turns you away from the remembrance of Allah. He turns you away from salah. You get bad company, friends who are instructing you instead of doing good, do this. Ah, but that's not cool, do this. Any person, then this person is shaitan, the sheikh says. He's like a shaitan, he's doing the work of the shaitan. He's a shaitan from amongst mankind. Likewise, he says, anyone who instructs you with evil, encourages you to do evil, to do haram, to do bad, to do sin, immoral deeds, <clears throat> he prevents you from rectification. You are trying to become better and he's pulling you down the wrong road. You are trying to rectify your life and he's pulling you down the opposite direction. For what? You're young, life is long, so forth. 
and guidance. You are going towards guidance, he's putting you towards misguidance. Anybody who's doing this, he's instructing you to the, this person is shaitan. That's what the sheikh says. This is how you can basically tell, is this person good for me or bad for me? What's he calling me to? Is it good or bad? You know? And this is what the, the sheikh described a shaytinul ins as. A, a devil from amongst mankind as. Right, Sheikh bin Baz, rahimallah, said they are sometimes more severe than the, the shaitan of jinn. Because we don't see them as a shaitan, we don't treat them as a shaitan, so we let our guards down. And so they end up being a, a really bad influence and they take us down evil roots and so forth. And the person can be a Muslim if he's doing this. Secondly, he can be uh, obviously from the kuffar, the Western ideas you find nowadays of, of, of modernism and feminism and, and, and liberalism and all of these things. This is all ploys of the shaitan, without a doubt, because it's not part of Islam and it goes against the fundamental teachings of Islam and so forth. This is all part of shaitanul in. So the person can be a Muslim or non-Muslim. As a Muslim, he can be a preacher towards falsehood, towards shirk, towards kufr, towards misguidance and so forth. These are all things to take note of. And these are all possible forms of a shaitan from mankind that can be harming you. Be seeking a refuge in all of this by the surah. By the surah. But Kathir mentions the following hadith at the end of his tafsir. Tayyib, we've discussed the entire surah, alhamdulillah. But even Kathir mentions something very important which highlights a very, very important issue from the surah. A hadith he says where the Prophet, a man came to the Prophet وسلم, and said, Oh Messenger of Allah, Sometimes I say things to myself <clears throat> that I would rather fall from the sky than say aloud openly. And it is evil thoughts going through my head. If I were to say them openly, I would rather fall from the sky and die, meaning, than actually say this out loud. Meaning these thoughts going through my head. Waswasa. So the Prophet وسلم, said, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Alhamdulillah, waswasa. Allah is the most great, Allah is the most great. And all praise is due to Allah who sent يعني, the shaitan's plot back as only a whisper. Shaitan has no power over you, it's just a whisper. Right? However, this brings us to the issue of waswasa. A very powerful and important issue to discuss before we wrap up, inshaAllah. Waswasa is of different kinds. Right? So we get the general type of waswasa that every person gets. Every person gets waswasa because his qareen is there, giving him the waswasa. Nobody is free from waswasa. So the waswasa which tempts a person, look at this haram, look at this woman, look at this man, um, watch something haram, listen to something haram, you know, and, and remember the waswasa doesn't come like this, oh, look at the haram thing, oh, listen to the... The shaitan is very, very uh, deceitful and, and deceiving. And he knows exactly how to get to each person differently. So he takes you along a route and around, before you end up at the haram. He knows exactly what he's doing, what his end goal is. But the Muslim has to be wise and know, look, if I'm going to go down this road, I'm going to end up there. I'm going to open this door, I'm going to end up there. The shaitan's not going to tell you, oh, put on this haram thing, or listen to this haram thing, or uh, purchase this thing which is haram, or invest in this haram. No, he's going to beautify it to you, make excuses for you, and so forth. The, the Muslim has to be intelligent and understanding. <coughs> but the point is, he is inclining you towards haram. And this happens to every single person. Right? He wants you to fall into these immoral deeds or haram and unlawful things. And he makes, makes them appear attractive to you. 
right? These things, they come from at least three sources. Number one is either from yourself, from your nafs. And we spoke about the evil nafs last week as well. It's inclined towards haram. This happens. Every person has this. Or it comes from the jinn, from the devils amongst them, or it comes from the devils from amongst mankind. So either you've got a bad friend that's telling you, or a bad person in your life that's telling you to do this, do that, do this, do that, in whichever way he's doing it, or there's the qareen that's whispering to you, or it's your nafs itself which is inclined towards certain haram. Right? But the point is it's all this type of waswasa that comes to you, that is leading you towards haram. This happens to every single person. Every single person, and we seek refuge in Allah against all of them. Against all of them. Right? Because there's always going to be the test in this dunya that's going to push you towards haram. As a Muslim, you are avoiding it. Seeking refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from these suggestions, and you're trying to do the right thing. But then we get something else which is a lot more, I would say, a lot more severe and a lot more serious, which is al waswasa al qahri. Waswasa, which is overpowering and overwhelming. And this refers to doubts that are put in the heart and mind of a believer. This comes from the shaitan, not from the nafs, not from people, no. This only comes from the shaitan. This type of waswasa comes from the shaitan alone. As opposed to the normal inclination towards sin and to do this and to do that, that can either come from your nafs, from shaitan, or from people. But this type of waswasa comes only from the shaitan. If he gives in to this waswasa and responds to the waswasa, he submits to the waswasa the suggestions that he's getting, these ideas that's been put in his head, the shaitan will gain power over him. And that waswasa will become a chronic problem. It, it will debilitate the person, incapacitate the person. Okay? And this will become clear with more examples. This has been described by certain specialists in this field as a sickness which befalls some people like any other kind of sickness. It's a disease. It's, it's, it's not just some, it's like a sickness and a disease that can befall people in, you know, like any other sickness. It refers to repeated thoughts, movements, ideas or notions which are of a loathsome nature that a person would ordinarily reject and strive to res or, or resist. He would strive and resist it. So it's, it's not something nice, obviously. It's something that upsets him, it puts him off. It's something that's, that's um, you know, that usually you would just, but he's unable to because he's given into it and the shaitan has now gained power over him. It's ideas, it's, it's all of these things. He also realizes that they are wrong and have no meaning. The person kind of knows, you know, that what he's thinking is false. It's made up, it's, it doesn't make sense. It, 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 it's, it's irrational. He doesn't believe in it, but it's there. The, sh the thought is there all the time, but he doesn't believe it. And yani, there's something pushing him towards it. And he usually fails to resist it. This is the type of waswasa that we are talking about. The strength of these waswas may vary so much so that they may appear to non-specialists to be very strong. And it seems that the sick person, sick person is doing that willingly. It seems like the person is, you know... Just doing these things. For example, taking wudu 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. Um, but in reality, he doesn't want to do it, but he's being forced to do it by the shaitan. Because the shaitan is, is almost controlling him. This kind of waswas may also affect the person in his worship and in his worldly affairs. Subhanallah. 
worship like salah over and over and over person can't make salah properly ghusl wudu over and over and quran <coughs> worship is affected and worldly affairs as well worldly affairs as well the person can't study he can't finish school can't work properly can't focus because his mind is always overtaken with waswasa the person can't function because his mind is debilitated with waswasa every single thing in front of him becomes waswasa every single thing becomes uh, some type of uh, he gets affected this is often referred to as ocd this this obsessive compulsive disorder but in reality it's waswasa from the shaitan it's waswasa waswasa from the shaitan and and if we look at the examples becomes a bit more clear in what we have been saying it's commonly seen especially in matters of number one belief and these are the most should i say severe or scary yani the person starts to doubt the quran or islam or allah and the shaitan is this is why who created allah for example who created this the hadith says the shaitan will come to you and say who created this who created that who created this until he says who created allah and now your mind starts to dwell on these issues and it becomes a problem and it becomes a bigger 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 problem or the quran or hadith or this or that how did it was it preserved all of these questions without any real knowledge on the matter but it becomes doubts and doubts and doubts um some people mention strange things that they that they've received like waswasa that they get wouldn't it be nice to be a christian and the person's like This person is a grounded Muslim, practicing Muslim, and it doesn't make sense. Like what? This is what we said, but the thought is just coming, and it's like, but they can't explain it. Isn't they look at somebody and think perhaps this person is God, perhaps this person is Allah. They know what this person can never be Allah. They know the person. Can this person be Allah? No. Is it? It's completely impossible, irrational. But the thoughts keep coming. And every time they get more and more crazy and severe thoughts, but the thoughts keep overwhelming their mind. So belief is one thing; those are obviously extreme. Yani meaning, it's it's serious stuff that the person is thinking. But although because they don't act on it and and and, and believe in it, they are Muslim, and in fact they will not be held accountable for these things. But secondly, we have purity. This is very common. The person cleans themselves in the after after relieving themselves. What do they think? I never clean myself properly, so now they go back and clean themselves again. But I also pulled up my my trousers, so that means it's also nudges. So now they change their clothes, throw their clothes into the wash, go back to the toilet, go clean again, come back. But this, oh, but I touch that. Now that's nudges. My hands are nudges. Now they wash their hands, go wash that item as well. I'm at work. Non-Muslim came. He greeted me. I shook his hand, and all of a sudden, but but he he used the toilet earlier. Maybe he didn't wash his hands properly, and nor did he do his tinja. So there's nudges on his hand. Now there's nudges on my hand. I also touched my computer and my phone and my 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 clothing. There must be nudges everywhere. I can't make salah. I was walking on an escalator. I touched the escalator, and then I realized. But what if the person who touched this was had nudges on him? So now I have nudges on me, and I also touched everything else. There's nudges everywhere. And the door 
is opened. But the moment you, you, you go into this door, the shaitan, the, he, he opens the door for you with these doubts. Once you enter into that, he floods the mind with all types of confusions and extra doubts and doubts and doubts and doubts and doubts. I took wudu. After the wudu, I realized I didn't wash my arm properly. Takes wudu again. After that, I didn't wipe my head properly. Takes Then my foot, then my mouth, then my nose, then my face. 10, 15, 20 times a person takes wudu, wudu. The same with ghusl. Wallahi, we know people take ghusl 10 times. Three hours in the taking the ghusl. Skins dried out completely because of ghusl, 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 ghusl. Because every time it's another doubt that comes. Another doubt that comes. It's a serious issue. And many people are afflicted. Not a few, not one or two. Many, many, many people are afflicted. Purity is one way. Shaitan plays a major role. Salah. Salah. Again, confusion comes. Which raka'ah? Did I pray properly? Did I say this in the salah? Did I say Rabbi Ghfili Warhamni or Rabbi Ghfili Rabbi Ghfili? Did I say Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la in that raka'ah? No, I didn't make salah again. After the salah, I didn't say the takbir in the third raka'ah, make salah again. I actually don't think I did the fatiha properly in the second raka'ah, make salah again. And over and over and over and over and over. This is what the shaitan is, is doing to people. Through waswasa al-qahri, overwhelming, overpowering waswasa. It's not OCD, it's waswasa. Even on issues of divorce and so forth, people all of a sudden, I think I divorced my wife. Did I? I don't know. I think I did. I think I said this. I don't know if I said that. I, I don't know if I meant it or not. And so forth. Subhanallah. The, the, the amount of distress these people go through, it's not a joke. They, they go through serious distress and difficulty. Wallahu al-musta'an. We also Allah to cure everyone. Amin. However, does this mean that these people are cursed? And that these people are the worst of people? Who, does, who gets affected by waswasa? A man asked the great Sheikh Allama and Imam Ibn al-Uthaymin rahimahullah who was experiencing waswasa you know and he was scared of it and so forth so the Sheikh responded to him and said I say to him rejoice and he gave the man glad tidings for its consequences cannot be anything but good by means of this waswas the shaitan tries to gain control over the believers and shake the sound belief in their hearts and make them suffer psychological and intellectual anxiety that will affect the purity of their faith and their life if they are believers. The first thing the Sheikh says is what? He gives them glad tidings. This is a trick of the Shaitan. The Shaitan only bothers with people who have khair in them, not people who are upon misguidance and people who are doomed and so forth. This is not the first or the last time that the believers have exposed to this, have been exposed to this. It will continue so long as there is any believer in this world. The shaitan will always try this upon every person. The Sahaba of the Prophet also faced this problem. The best of the best experienced waswasa. They tried to shake the psychological and intellectual anxiety of the person so that you cannot worship Allah properly, so that you cannot function properly. This is the plots of the shaitan. It was narrated that Abu Hurairah said that some of the Sahaba of the Prophet came to him and said to him, we find in ourselves thoughts that are terrible, too terrible to speak of. Again, thinking about Allah like this and about that like this and thoughts that are too, too, too evil to speak of. And he said, are you really suffering from that? 
They said, yes. He said, that's a clear sign of faith. Subhanallah. That's a clear sign of Iman. That's clear Iman. That's what the Prophet said to the Sahaba who are saying this. People who are afflicted with waswasa, we say to you, that's clear faith. In other hadith, Bukhari and Muslim, Prophet said, the shaitan comes to one of you and says, who created such and such? Who created such? Until he says, who created your Lord? So what the shaitan does. If that happens to any of you, let him seek refuge with Allah and put a stop to these thoughts. That is very important. This is the, actually the way to the cure. A'udhu billahi min shaitan rajim Seek refuge in Allah. Or the quls, for example, as we spoke about the mu'awidat, the best way to seek protection. And put a stop. Meaning, don't think further. Block it out and close the door. As I said, the shaitan opens the door. He wants you to go in and entertain the thoughts. Close the door. Think of something else. Go do something else. Get your mind busy and so forth. Another hadith from Ibn Abbas, a man came to the Prophet said, I think these thoughts to myself which I would rather be burned to a cinder than speak of. He said, Praise be to Allah who has reduced the shaitan's plot to mere whispers. Right? We spoke about that hadith earlier as well. Ibn Taymiyyah said something powerful. He said, The fact that these whispers come, but they are so greatly disliked. People hate these whispers, but they come. They are pushed away and they are pushed away from the heart. Is a clear sign of faith. The believer struggles with it. He's trying his best. He hates it. This is Iman. The fact that they're coming and, and this is like the Mujahid to whom the enemy comes, but he resists him until he overwhelms him. And this is a mighty jihad. Subhanallah. Hence the seekers of knowledge and devoted worshippers, they are the ones who experience waswasa. And they are the ones who get doubt from time to times, from time to time, which others do not face. Because they, meaning the others, are not following the way prescribed by Allah. Rather, they are following their own whims and desires and neglecting to remember Allah. Shaitan doesn't bother with them. He's only focused on those who are trying to worship Allah, who are seeking knowledge and so forth. This is what the shaitan wants. In contrast to those who are striving to draw closer to their Lord by seeking knowledge and worshipping Him. He's happy that they are astray, that they're not following the right path. So he leaves them there. He focuses on those whom he wants you know, to drag there as well. He is the enemy and seeks to prevent them from drawing closer to Allah. So Ibn Uthaymi carries on and he says, I say to this questioner, if you are faced with this waswas from the shaitan, fight it and resist it. Fight it and resist it. Ignore it, block it out. Be strong. Know that it can never harm you when you fulfill the duty of fighting and resisting it. And if you refuse to be controlled by it. This is the key thing. Be strong, overcome it, ignore it, Block it out. Resist the waswasa. Don't give in. The moment you give in, you're giving in to shaitan. You open, you're going into that door. And he's, he, that's when he overwhelms you. The Prophet said, Allah will forgive my ummah, the followers of this ummah, for any insinuating whispers that may cross their minds so long as they do not act upon it or speak of it. So the waswasa will come as long as you don't talk about it and act upon it, you're forgiven. When we say talk about it, we mean you... you utter what these things are suggesting. It doesn't mean you, you speak to somebody getting help about the waswasa, ask what should I do in this case and so forth. That's different. That's, there's no sin upon you for that, but you don't act upon the, the, the evil thoughts and so forth. Before we end off, we have to speak about the cure to the waswasa. Shaykh Lusam again said, this waswasa may be dispelled by seeking refuge with Allah and ignoring it. This is the key thing. Seeking protection in Allah. He's the only one who can protect us. And especially against the shaitan and his waswasa. 
and by ignoring the waswasa. Right? Ignore it. Don't pay attention. Don't give in. Keep ignoring and keep saying A'udhu Billahi Min Shaitanir Rajeem and recite the quls. Especially Qul A'udhu Birabbil Nas because it specifically speaks about the waswasil khannas alladhi yuwaswiswi suduri nas minal jinnati wal nas. So if the waswasa says you did not wash your face, the person should say I did wash my face. Don't pay attention to the doubt. If that's what the waswasa says, do the opposite. If it occurs to him that he did not form the intention to or say the takbir, he should say in his heart, I did form the intention and I did say the takbir. Close the door. Shaitan's opening the door. Close, shut the door, close. Say the opposite of whatever the waswasa is saying. He should remain steadfast in following the truth and word of any waswasa that is contrary to it. This is the key thing. Don't open the door or don't let him open the door. If he opens the door, shut the door. Do the opposite, ignore it, and carry on. This is the key to overcoming waswasa. When the shaitan sees his strength and steadfastness in following the truth, he will go away from him. Otherwise, if he sees that he is receptive to doubts and these specious, specious arguments, and that he responds to waswasa and passing thoughts, he will bring against him more. The waswasa will only increase. Once you step foot into that door, the waswasa becomes more and more and more. Then he can resist and his heart will become receptive to what the devils among mankind and the jinn put in his mind of ideas and the waswas will move from one thing to another until the shaitan leads him to doom. This is the reality. And this is why we say shut the door, don't pay attention to it. If you are in the room, get out. A'udhu billah shaitan rajim, get out, block out the waswasa, do what you need to do and carry on. Don't pay attention to any form of doubt. And this is the other key thing. Know that the Sharia says, Al yaqeen la yazulu bishak. Certainty will remain with doubt. Yani, it is not removed with doubt. If there is any certainty that you have, don't pay attention to doubt. This is such a powerful principle. It's based on the hadith that's there, where a man felt something during the salah, as if he had passed wind. He felt that he passed wind. Right? So he asked, should he get up? Yani, should I go and take wudu? So the, it was said to him, don't get up. لا ينصرف حتى تسمع صوتا أو تجد ريحا. Don't get up until you hear a sound or you find a smell. Meaning what? If you are unsure that you passed wind, you're not sure, you, you felt something uh, in your backside, you felt something in your stomach, you felt something in that, that region there, and you were not sure, did I pass wind or not? You have doubt. Unsure. Uncertainty. Right? The hadith says, don't pay attention to that. Don't get up. Unless you are certain. You've, you smelled something. Or you've heard something. Or you know for certain that you passed wind. Then get up and go take wudu and repeat the salah. But this hadith teaches us this principle that certainty is never, ever, and not removed with doubts. Okay? Give you another example. I take wudu. Two hours later, salah comes, and I'm unsure, did I break my wudu or not? Did I break my wudu or not? I'm completely unsure. I'm, I'm, but what am I sure of? I go back to certainty. My certainty that I'm sure of is, I took wudu. I'm uncertain if I broke the wudu, so I go back to what's certain. Because the certainty is not removed without, which means I do not have to take wudu again. 
change the example around. I relieve myself, I break my wudu. Two hours later comes the salah. I'm unsure if I took wudu after relieving myself or I, I don't know. But I know for certain that I broke my wudu. So I go back to certainty, which means I broke my wudu. Did I take wudu again? I don't know. I'm uncertain. So therefore, go back to certainty, which means I don't have wudu. Yani because I know I broke it, but I don't know if I took wudu. Stick to what's certain. Because the certainty is not removed with doubt. This is how we close the door to waswasa. I made salah. Now the doubt comes. You didn't say the takbirat al-ihram. You didn't say the fatiha properly. You didn't um, say subhan rabbi al-a'la in the sujood. Or subhan rabbi al-azim in that raka'ah of that ruku'ah. I know I did the salah properly and to the best of my ability when I prayed. Now that the doubt has come, I don't pay attention to doubt. Stick to what's certain the salah is done, khalas. This principle will kill of waswasa. You take wudu. After the wudu, you didn't wash your arm properly. You didn't wash your face properly. That's a doubt. Certainty is I took wudu. Khalas, it's over, it's done. I don't go back. I don't pay attention to doubt. The Prophet through this hadith is teaching us this principle which is extremely powerful. And it kills off the, the waswasa and the, the avenues towards waswasa. So this is very important to understand. Certainty is not removed with doubt. Do what you need to do. Pray, take wudu, take your hustle. The moment the doubt comes in, what do I say? I did what I needed to do, what I needed to do. That's my certainty. The doubt now, I don't pay attention to it. And as Ibn Taymiyyah said, if the doubt says you didn't wash your face, tell yourself, I washed my face. That's what the hadith, this is what the Quran and Sunnah is teaching us. To kill off the avenue towards doubt and waswasa, which will overpower you. This is what Allah wants from us to, to understand. This is the very important thing. Another hadith which teaches us how to treat waswasa. <coughs> um, Abu Zumail, he said that I asked Ibn Abbas, عنهما, what is it that I find in my heart? And he asked, what is it? He, I replied, I swear by Allah, I cannot speak about it. So he asked me, is it something doubtful? And he laughed. He then said, no one could escape that. Yani people would have that all the time, have these issues all the time, until Allah revealed, فَإِن كُنْتَ فِي شَكٍ مِمَّا أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ فَاسْأَلِ الَّذِينَ يَقْرَعُونَ الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ So if you doubt, O Muhammad, about that which we have revealed to you, then ask those who have been reading the scripture before you. So he said to me, if you find something in your heart, then say, هُوَ الْأَوَّلُ وَالْآخِرُ وَالظَّاهِرُ وَالْبَاطِنُ وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ He is the first and the last. The ascendant and the intimate, and he is of all things knowing. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? This hadith is in Abu Dawood and Hassan by Albani rahimahullah. So, what this teaches us is if you have doubts and waswasa, then how to treat it is as Ibn Abbas taught this man is to recite the ayah repeatedly in Surah Hadid, verse number three. Any person who's afflicted with waswasa, one of the methods of treatment is to recite this ayah repeatedly. It means, referring to Allah, He is the first and the last, the ascendant and the intimate, and He is of all things knowing. طيب, our last point يعني, is a general advice, which is, how do we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from all types of evil? Uh, uh, and and uh, this, this is something that we have, we've covered extensively over this course and as well as previous courses in our, in our Rukia course. We spoke a lot about this, how to protect ourselves. And this is included here because this is part of protecting ourselves against the shaitan. 
Okay, Salatul Fajr, daily Salah, daily Adhkar, morning, evening, and sleep. Reciting the Quran, belief in Allah, our Aqeedah, these are our, our, our fundamental points of, of protection. And then of course we have specific times where we are supposed to recite various Adhkar from the Sunnah, which is uh, equivalent to protection. When you leave your home, when you arrive at a place, before we um, uh, enter the toilet, um, before we eat, we get dressed, and so for different adhkar that we have, that we recite, which is a form of protection, this is all part of our daily protection, right? Over and above that, we said, ignore the waswasa, read the quls, read a'udhu billahi min shaitanir rajim extensively, and block off the waswasa, do the opposite of what the waswasa is saying, and just have yaqeen, Knowledge is the key to overcoming waswasa as well. The shaitan says this, you do the opposite. The shaitan says that, you, you say, I did do it already, I don't need to do it again. And the more you do this, the stronger you will become and the weaker he will become and he will see your resolve is too much and he will eventually um, divert his attention to something else. Because he will realize that the waswasa is no longer working and that waswasa will no longer be qahri. But remember, take the means to preventing waswasa and not to give in to the Waswasa. This brings us to the end of our tafsir cause. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. We say Alhamdulillahi Ladi bi ni'matihi tatimu salihat, which is a sunnah to recite after you've something, you know, you've achieved something or something causes you happiness and so forth, which means we all thanks and praise be to Allah who, through His ni'mah, we completed our righteous deeds. Um, so Alhamdulillah, you praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we thank Him for allowing us to complete. Um, this powerful course which has been full of so much benefits for myself first and foremost going through the importance of tafsir and the importance of reflecting of the Quran speaking about the isti'adha, the basmala, surah fatiha in great detail and then going through from wadduha all the way to surah al-nas walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen the often recited surahs, often memorized surahs these are the most important parts for us to understand because we are always reciting them and always hearing them especially in the salah so this can assist us for our khushu' and our focus and our concentration in the salah and so forth so really it has been a uh, some time but alhamdulillah it has been full of lots of benefits um, because we've referred back to the tafsir of the great imams of tafsir and likewise the great scholars of Ahlul Sunnah al-Jama'ah who um, really have brought out the benefits from these ayat and, and extracted a lot of fawaid for us to benefit from and we are just here to give it over um, from what the classical scholars have stated um, <clears throat> so alhamdulillah we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it from us first and foremost and to add it to our, our, our mizan hasanat our scales of good deeds and that he makes this a proof for us and not a proof against us and that he makes this knowledge that we have gained beneficial knowledge so that we understand his kalam and that we can implement the teachings that we have heard and learned and that it gives us the opportunity and the, the, the desire to learn much more of the Quran. So my advice is to listen to the series again and again because it's, it's the basis of, our, of the Quran, yani meaning it's the, as we said, it's the ayah that we all know, that we all read. So the more we listen, the more we learn, the more we can, the, the, the meaning can settle in our hearts so that when we read these ayat, it moves us, we feel the power of these words and that we are encouraged to learn more of, the, of this perfect Qur'an 
and this kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Shadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka. Wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.